everyone. Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I'm your host, Aliza Kelly, and I am here with a name twin. Sometimes people call me Alyssa, but I'm Aliza, but I'm with Alyssa. So if anyone calls me Alyssa from now on, I have someone that I can defer to because here's Alyssa, also known as Praxis Astrology. I'm a huge fan. Alyssa is an astrologer who is fighting the system and is using astrology in very progressive and revolutionary ways to talk about some of the systemic problems that are plaguing, well, every aspect of our society. Alyssa is a sun in Aquarius, obviously, with that intro had to be, a moon in Cancer, and a rising in Leo. And now my Friday afternoon friend. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me, Aliza. So I'm just, I already told Alyssa, for those listeners, what the deal is. This is really just a, this is in lieu of getting cocktails. We're going to hang with some microphones and chat and hear all about your work and how you began doing what you do. So I'm going to just pass to you and you can tell us your own mythology. Yeah. So when I was a little kid, my dad used to do this thing where if we were hanging out with family members and there was someone really, really acting up, he would go outside and show them the constellations. And every single time that kid who was like, being a menace, like went outside and like learned about the stars, they immediately calmed down. And I, through that, I think that was like a moment where I saw that I didn't know anything about astrology, but I was like, oh, this is like healing. Like I knew that there was something going on. And then when I was in middle school, I got this book, Dark Side Astrology by Stella Hyde. And was running around middle school. And this was like not (laughs) like this was like eighth grade and was like looking. I like already knew how to do a circle chart. I was looking at my friends like Mars and their Venus placements. And like it was a big joke, but I didn't really start taking astrology seriously until I graduated undergrad. I went to City College In Harlem, I majored in political science and gender studies. Wait, I'm sorry to interrupt. I have to know. Are you from New York? Yes. I am too. Where did you grow up? So I grew up in the Hudson Valley in a very small town in the Hudson Valley. And then as soon as I possibly could, I moved to the city. Got it. (laughs) Okay, cool. I I didn't know if we were going to get be able to do like block to block for a second because I'm from Manhattan and then Brooklyn too. But I currently live in on like the edge of the Upper East Side in East Harlem. So that is where I'm currently based. So I used to live, my college was on 140th. And so I would like get whoever was like my friend. We'd like get an apartment together or something. And so I was like all over like the early 140s. (laughs) Got it. Early 140s. I, I hear that. I can I have a visual for that in my head. I know what the I know what getting off the subway there looks like and how it smells and how it feels and like the the way the light hits it. Well, what I love about where you're at is that like, you know, if you're like in East Harlem, you get to like walk up and down 125th Street and I'm just imagining like 
all the street vendors and like the smells and just like Harlem is such a magical place for me. It's just where I got my beginning in life. Like I, I come from the small town and in some ways I'm like very grateful for the connection to nature and like the ways in which I interacted with the land. But at heart, I'm a city girl. Well, it's interesting because I have in quarantine, I have started spending more time upstate and I'm now sort of moving between the city, which is all I've ever known and upstate, which I think has really taken helped my practice a lot because I can embody the zodiac seasons a lot more up here than I could in the city where I was so in my head. Now I can sort of be in my body more and get it, whereas just sort of like using my heavy imagination to sort of generate the relationship between spring and airy season. Like you get it in the city, but now that I'm in nature, I can really get it a lot more. But at the same time, I feel like I need to be in the city to like regenerate, like to get social fuel, you know, to like connect and to see what it means and to know what the implications are, you know, and why it's important to be around people and why people matter and why it can't just be this also like, oh, I'm in nature and cottagecore forever because it's not, that's not really like where things happen. You know what I mean? It's where nature happens, but it's not where conversations happen. And I feel like conversations are a huge part of city life. Yeah, for sure. And I think that like with, um, with the city and upstate, it's what astrology is, is like astrology for me is really relational. It's like, how do I interact with people And like, what is my experience of people? And then when you like go to a place where there's not as much like light pollution and you just look up and you can see like an evening star Venus or just like, you know, you can see the constellations. I feel like both are just like ways in which we can interact with this like very divine practice. Totally. I yes, I'm a hundred percent with you. And I think exactly. It's like there's the social, there's the application of it. And then there is sort of like the musing and the connecting with just like sort of having the visual experience of getting to see the stars and see the difference between the new moon and the full moon and feel that. And like because in the city, you know, you could <laughs> I I would do like a sort of a moon check and be like, oh, like, do I see it? No, but maybe it's blocked by a building. You know, I don't like I can't gauge whether it's a new moon or a full moon based on whether I could see it just based on like the windows in my fucking apartment, you know, so I would. But when you're in nature, obviously, you're going to really know the difference because either you're going to see what's in front of you or it's going to be pitch dark, you know, so it's it's kind of cool to go back and forth between the the sort of poetic, naturalistic, sublime astrology, and then the social, practical application, like interpersonal people helping people astrology. Right. And so like, in 2016, I all of a sudden, I had graduated college. And I was an organizer. So like, from the age of 16, Uh, 
the tea party wanted to shut down my high school. And I was like, hell no. And I got like all these kids together. We told our parents to vote no. What does that even mean? What is the tea party? Want to sh- Why did the tea party want to shut down your high school? Because of taxes. Because they felt like the school taxes were too high. Oh, that's so creepy. It's so creepy. And so like since then, like when I was in college, I was doing all these campaigns for gender justice, for racial justice. We wanted to keep tuition low to keep the economic diversity in the school like vibrant. And at 2016, when I graduated college, I was exhausted. That work is taxing and I have a Capricorn stellium. So when I'm on, I'm on. And I saw astrology as a way to take a break from this work that I just had dedicated myself to. And so I was getting, you know, like when you read online your placements, I was immediately frustrated. I was like, oh, this doesn't work for me. Like, you know, the aspects are interesting, but this seems like a little one note. You know, we're, when we first learn it, we're Googling. And I didn't have very much money for readings. I got one reading and was like, there's so much more to it. I feel like there's so much more to it. And then I just started reading voraciously, voraciously. And so through reading, I was like, this doesn't actually describe my reality either because most of my friends are people of color. Most of my friends are queer. They're trans. They're non-binary. And of course, when we're looking at like the old school astro books, they're not that. (laughs) And so (laughs) I was reading these books and just practicing on all my friends. And like, I organically just kind of made a name for myself, but I was at that time, I became a professional organizer. I was working for a labor union and traveling around and helping with campaigns. And then on the side, I was just like, all right, I'll look at your chart, whatever. I never thought I would become an astrologer. And then when 2020 hit, it was a in the middle of my Saturn return. And my body was like, you are tired. You are grinding yourself to a halt. You need, like my body just said, no, my body said no more. And so that's how I became a professional astrologer is like, people were literally just demanding readings. And I was like, I don't (laughs) have time for this. (laughs) And so I made my website. I was like, book me like, and people came, like a lot of people just came to me. And so my astro mythology is an accidental one, but I think one that, you know, throughout my life, life, I've known the power of the stars, the power of the constellations. I've been playing with this as a tool. And I actually really love coming into this with a little bit of levity and also a little bit of like skepticism of what I'm reading instead of, you know, so many of us look to these astro greats and we see them as infallible or we see their knowledge as something that we can't toy around with ourselves. Yeah, that's actually my favorite part of astrology. And I just uh, today, I a little a few hours ago, I had I 
did something for a YouTube channel, which was like really funny because it was a YouTube channel where it's like people who live at the intersection of normal and weird. And it's like, I was like, that is how the world thinks about astrology still. Like, wow, (laughs) it's kind of wild to me because it's become it's been my life for so many fucking years that I forgot that anyone could think of it as like, it's a subculture that's different from every other subculture in its own unique ways. Because to me, it's become so obvious, <laughs> so straightforward as like a lifestyle and a way of working. But in this conversation, a lot of the way that this person who was very respectful was coming into it was sort of with the understanding that it's a belief system. And I spent most of the conversation being like, no, 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 I don't believe in astrology. Like I use astrology. Astrology is not a religion. I'm not trying to evangelize. I don't care if you like astrology or not. If it works for you, that's fabulous. If it doesn't work for you, that's fine. You know, we don't all have to like the same art. And it doesn't mean that the art that you like is bad and the one I like is good. Like we have to break down the idea, first of all, of anything being good and bad, period, because everything is complex and multidimensional. And with astrology, I love challenging it. Like that is where I have found my my true calling is to poke holes in the very thing that I love the most. I want someone to come in and like completely change the way I think about a house. You know, I want someone to come in and blow my mind about their moon in Scorpio with it doing things that I never thought a moon in Scorpio would do so that I could create even more complex, multidimensional understandings of these placements. So for me, I hear you and I really relate because I love the idea of taking astrology, not just at face value, but as something malleable and something that can be used as a tool to fit the perspective that you're coming, you know, that one person embodies. So um, how have you found, whether working professionally or not, that what are some of the ways that you have transformed astrology to be less like hetero, cis, white, and non applicable for you and, and the friends that you had and that you were reading for? I think just through like one, de gendering the planets. And not to say that gender isn't within the planets, but gender should be playful. You know, all the planets are queer (laughs) in my eyes. All the planets, you know, like we, it's incredibly important to not impose any kind of binary on the planet saying like, you know, Mars is about male, Venus is about female. Like, no, just like when working with these planets intuitively, I have felt like you know, they all have like expressions that go beyond like those conceptions that we like box them into. And I think for me, making sense. So I learned traditional astrology from Sam Reynolds. Love Sam. I love him so much. Yeah. And he's just like a kind and gentle teacher where like he isn't going to you know, he knows his shit and he'll tell you when he thinks like you're wrong, but he's not going to be like, you need to do astrology this way. And it was a very kind and loving way for me to learn like Hellenistic and Islamic and medieval and Renaissance and the things that Sam practices. 
And so like, when you look at those old school astrologers, they're incredibly fatalistic. And I was able to like learn them, take the technique and just kind of be like, okay, like you have some stuff going on over there, but like, let's use this technique and let's see how it manifests. And I think another thing about making our practices more holistic and accommodating is asking people questions when we don't know. So I've been working a lot with astro locality and like the time and space and dimension of places. And like those charts, you have lines going up and down over a map representing your planets. And I don't know about a lot of these places, you know, like I've read about them, but like asking my client, like, do you have a connection to Palestine? Do you have a connection to this place? And my clients are like, yeah, I love this place. I then learn from them about their experience of that planet in a way that I wouldn't have access to before. So what is it? So what is locational astrology and how do you use it with clients? So locational astrology is kind of an umbrella term for astrocartography, which is a method um, created by Jim Lewis. It was created in the 1970s and it shows like each of your planets culminating, you know, like you have like your midheaven your IC, then you have your ascendant in DC, and it shows the lines of that angularity of each of the planets on a world map. And so you can see like, oh, I have a Venus line in this place. And so I can, you know, build a relationship to Venus or like call in love, call in beauty, call in art, call in creativity. And so there's astrocartography, and then I use local space, which is a method created by Michael Irwine, which can tell you about like the directions of the planet. So instead of the angularity, it'll show like the planet, what this planet was like north or east when you were born. And I use that to talk about space. Um, and then I use relocation charts, which, you know, it'll just show all the planets in each of the houses and they like move around based on the location. So those are kind of like the techniques underneath the umbrella of locational astrology. So with, so I had an interesting experience with, uh, locational, with my own astrocartography in that I lived in LA for three years. And obviously, as we had mentioned, I'm from New York. So, you know, across the country, my chart changed pretty radically. I mean, not radically, radically, but it did because to me, it's like, you know, having my Capricorn rising, having my eighth house stellium, having my 12th house stellium is like, you know, that's that's my secret sauce. You know, that's who I am. So then it not being there anymore. It's like suddenly it's like I got some fifth house shit going on, which is like fabulous. But also I had a horrible time. I had a horrible time in LA. I felt so unseen, very self-destructive. Granted, I found astrology in LA and I became an astrologer and I took it back with me when I went back east. But I have since, I've never really 
it's been five years since I've come back. And in five years, I still haven't fully created a system for myself that makes sense as to why my chart would have been quote unquote better, but I had a worse experience other than that the natal chart still takes precedence and the intensity that I've experienced in my life in New York, in my natal chart, wasn't able to express itself properly in LA. And I felt really unseen. So that is the only, that's like basically all I have. But I wonder if in your practice you have seen that before or if you have any interesting wisdom on that, that for other people who have lived in different places and had that experience could relate to. Yeah. I mean, for me, the relocation chart is one aspect. When I look at the astrocartography map, there is something called parents. And the parent is when one planet is crossing over another. So say you have a Jupiter line and then the sun crosses. So across that latitudinal line, you'll have a crossing, which you're not going to see in a relocation chart. And so sometimes planets that we really have trouble with or planets that you're not really, you don't want to work with in that moment, right? Like we don't have to work with Saturn every single day. (laughs) (laughs) Tell that's my Capricorn rising. (laughs) Tell that to Saturn because Saturn does not agree clearly. (laughs) But the parents also can influence an experience. And again, very critical of people who say like places are like really good and really bad just because for me, I was living on my son Jupiter line in New York and everyone's like, that's the greatest thing. I was exhausted. Mm -hmm. And that was because Jupiter was out of control. (laughs) Jupiter had like, you know, like I got a lot of debt. I was like overextending myself in a way that was unsustainable. And then I moved to, I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, which is a Saturn line. And everyone's like, stay away from Saturn. And I had a really transformative and grounding experience with Saturn. And it all depends on your natal chart and what you feel comforted with. And your natal, your natal is never going to change, right? So it's like, if your eighth house stuff is expressing in the fifth house, maybe you don't want to create things with your eighth house placements. Maybe mm-hmm. you like that you're they're kind of hidden and for you in that way, right? And with the twelfth house, like, you know, i I have a moon in the twelfth house, and the idea, like I need a lot of rest. So it's like, Sometimes you want that moon to be seen. Sometimes you want that moon to be left alone. And so it all depends basically on one, your natal chart expressing itself in the ways that you want. And two, I think like sometimes the parents can explain like, oh, this chart looks fantastic. And then you're like, oh, wait, so this is like, a pairing with a planet that I I just don't I just don't want to work with right now. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's that's interesting because I feel like that's the technical explanation for that sort of more poetic um, 
sort of interpretation that I was trying, I've been working with is sort of like, hmm, a better relocated chart, a worse experience. <laughs> what does it mean? And like, I mean, I guess that that's kind of how I feel about astrology is, and that's why the good and bad narrative and even, you know, I've just, I'm not even fucking with malefics and benefics anymore as a concept. I'm over it. I feel like it's too, I mean, I, as a Saturn ruled person, again, like I love playing in the, in the confines. Like, I think that when you have the boundary, you can be really creative because you can be like, oh, well, if I have to make malefic and benefic more dynamic than just cute words for good and bad, then I have, I have like all of this artistic fuel to want to do that with. But I, I don't want that moral compass attached to astrology anymore. I'm over it completely. So as someone who also, because you are more, you work with more of the traditional techniques, I think, right? How do you reconcile those traditional concepts with a very progressive attitude? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> so for me, you know, like, I think that I don't think that Saturn in my chart is bad. Most of my planets report to that Saturn. I have Saturn in Capricorn. It's a placement that I really love about myself. And I don't think of malefics and benefics as good or bad. I think of them as being seen as good or bad within a regime, right? So it's like, I love my Saturn boundaries. I have great boundary setting. I'm really good at, and I'm learning, but like, I'm really good at being like, hey, like, you know, let's be responsible to each other in a certain way. Let's establish rules and norms before we engage in something. I don't think that's like a bad influence on my life, but I think that other people, on the outside in, get super threatened by those like extremely good boundaries. And so it's, in my experience, kind of about what is supported and not supported within like, like the eyes of a regime rather than like with that person, because like someone who's Mars ruled, someone who's Saturn ruled is not a bad person. They're great, amazing people. And someone with the Venus and Jupiter ruled are not great people sometimes <laughs> on the expression of the natal chart. And I, I do think we have choices within the natal chart. I am not someone who's super fatalistic. And I think it's really important, you know, to apply a radical framework to whatever astrology you're doing. I had a background in modern psych. And I think that that has made me really like modern psychological astrology. Um, and I think that's actually made me a really good astrologer, too. It's like, I I'm not dogmatic about these classifications of the types of astrology we practice. Totally. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, Saturn Capricorn generation here. I think that that's been really kind of like in me for me and my work that's defined it in a lot of ways is that I want everyone to use these tools 
<laughs> I mean, I guess it's like literally so Saturn Capricorn with the Sith. It's like use your Sith however you need to, you know, and like if you don't have a Sith, use whatever you have. Like you don't need your Sith doesn't need to look like my Sith. You know, if as long as we are tending to our agricultural land together in like a healthy, compassionate, thoughtful way, you, you can Hellenistic, sidereal, modern, Uranian, even though it seems like the alt-right people kind of took Uranian. Regardless, when Uranian comes back around, um, people can use whatever way they want. And I think that that's what makes astrology really cool is that we have some shared, agreed-upon symbols, and then we can deconstruct them together. And we can deconstruct what a birth chart is together while still honoring it and being respectful of like the fact that it's a birth chart and it's delicate and people are delicate. But there's a lot of um, there's a lot of room for reinterpretation. So what does it look like for you then today? Do you incorporate the modern planets into your practice? Oh, absolutely. I don't use them as rulers. So I use Saturn as the ruler of Aquarius. But the outers are aspecting a lot of the planets in my chart. I feel like that has been something that's been significant in my life. And I think like through aspects, hell yes, of course. <laughs> I, I, I think the outers are really, really important. And I think we lose, uh, I'm not trying to judge the way other people do astrology, but I think in my personal practice, I would lose a lot by letting them go. I love them. I think so. I mean, I think that they're really important because they capture different dimensions of society you know they're transpersonal and like it would be one thing if we were trying to fit them into the personal planets i would understand the argument for people being sort of like uptight about that but the fact is is that they are talking about like big generational things big macro topics that affect not just an individual but the way an individual thinks about the world and to me, I really embrace those the nuances of those dimensions. And I don't think that Mars captures Pluto, you know, like I don't think that Mars can do some of the things that Pluto can do and that those can just sort of be packaged in together. Like I really do feel that those are different ways of getting motivated, you know? Absolutely. And I think like when I see people with, you know, Mercury placements to outer planets, they can speak generationally yeah. and many people respond to them. And, you know, I, I think we've all met someone with, you know, an outer on the ascendant, right? Like Uranus on the ascendant or Pluto on the ascendant. And that is much different than just not having that aspect that person comes across in a way that we conceptualize that outer and that person is normally super powerful you know like I enjoy using them and I think that it's you know like like this is the thing is like I love playing with astrology I love experimenting with it and I feel like you know, the world reflects the astrology, like the astrology doesn't tell me how to interpret the world. So, you know, when I'm interacting with 
Venus and, you know, I see myself like gain self-love and I see myself, you know, be really tied to like, I just wish I could get some like gold jewelry, you know, like I, I'm experienced experiencing that planet and learning through my own relationship rather than like reading about it and then being like, does this track? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was on your website before our session, obviously doing a little homework and or session or this is a session, right? Everything's a session when you're an astrologer. <laughs> and, Absolutely. <laughs> everything is time is in sessions. Anyway, on this session, I and I saw that on your website. I mean, you have, first of all, it's a beautiful website. And then I feel your Aquarian energy like percolating through it. And I see your Aquarian energy sort of like infused in it is what I want to say. And to book a reading with you is also a call to action. And I love that so much. Um, So I want to know about like, what does it look like to have a session with you? And how does your work in justice inform even the way that you would work with a client because when I saw your website I was like fuck yeah you know like this looks really does it looks like you would come in and then be able to leave with a a different framework for understanding yourself so I'm curious if you could speak to that client work is like my bread and butter right like as astrologers we all have something that we really love about it and I just love the (laughs) one-on-one just like being with someone And I think a lot of the time, what I've noticed in incorporating like my movement background into interpreting someone's natal chart is that we really beat ourselves up when we are not a vision of like the perfect activist, right? And so like when we're, at least as Americans, when we look in our history books, And we see what it means to be an activist. We see Martin Luther King giving one speech and he magically got this big crowd. And that is revolution. (laughs) And I think that that has garnered a lot of shame in folks who, uh, you know, maybe don't want to be front and center but have something to to contribute and want to get involved in social justice. And so for me, I'm looking at the chart when people, of course, ask me, how do I get involved? Like, I love this. I'm looking at the chart and I'm seeing like, what are your strengths? What are you already doing? You know, like there's so many people who are like, oh, I, I just need to get into this book group and like learn. And it's like, maybe you're not someone who really enjoys reading groups. And so you just need to go volunteer at like the local mutual aid, like whatever mutual aid projects are going on. And you learn a lot through that experience or someone, you know, who has a basic understanding of their chart is like, I have the moon here and I need to be a caretaker and I need to listen to my friends and hold space for them. When in reality, You've been doing too much with your moon. Right, right, right. Yeah, like if you had to take care of your parents or your mom with your moon, then maybe that's not going to be the way that you want to go into activism because it's also traumatic. Right. And so like, let's bring you to Mercury. 
maybe you take beautiful portraits. Maybe you're someone who wants to be a medic at a street action and you want to get in to more direct action. Let's see like what your natal chart says about the different ways that you can garner greater radical self-acceptance in order to be your whole self into the movement instead of fitting in these preconceived notions and these preconceived boxes of what a good activist is and what they should be. I really love that so much. And I think that you're so right. I mean, activism has been taught at least in when I was going to school <laughs> in the form of a very specific figureheads and it sort of uh you know, it makes an activist look and feel like only there's only a few different options as opposed to embedding activism into your life in a way that is actually going to amplify what you love and tie in to the values that you care about and the change that you want to see. I also really love I see that so often with my clients where, you know, someone will have parented their parents and is so used to you know, carrying the weight of other people in the in a particular way and is like, oh, well, of course, I'm going to go into nursing or I'm going to go into therapy. And it's like, whoa, like, do you even want to? Because you didn't have a choice before. You know, you have a choice now. Is that still what you want to do? Because that also has been really stifling. You know, maybe there's another way that you can continue to uh, thrive that doesn't involve the same thing that was that you were tasked with when you were a child that you didn't have any choice in. Right. And I think like, you know, going back to like Martin Luther King, like the person that we all learn about when I was organizing, I was able to go to this place called the Highlander Center, which is in Memphis. And it's where like Rosa Parks trained, Martin Luther King trained. And it was such a beautiful and yet illuminating experience to see like how long people spent learning how to do these things, how to organize a boycott, how to, you know, be in solidarity with like a labor march or something like that. All of these things take tons of skill and expertise and a lot of people being a part of different moving parts. Mm. And so you don't have to be the totality of every single moving part, which is what astrology taught me, is that I'm really great at certain things and other things I don't have to be good at. <laughs> it's a relief. And, you know, learning, just learning so much about movement history and being a part of movements where like you have people who love doing research you have people who you know can create big beautiful banners you have people that are like making food after the protest so that everyone who you know was marching gets a little nourishment you know there's so many ways and so many different moving pieces and the, the more I dive into both, the more I see how much astrology can just help us 
breathe a little bit rather than keep on going into those like places where we feel shame or the urge to produce, produce, produce. Yeah. I, I would say that that has been one of the biggest personal challenges that I've had to overcome is, you know, growing up in the environment that I grew up in work was my freedom. You know, work was the way I didn't have to stay home. It was the way I made money because I didn't get money from my parents. So it was like work was all good things for me. And it was. <laughs> that was true. But then I didn't stop and think about what it meant to not even, you know, to just become a workaholic and then to be so compulsive as a worker because I just, you know, assumed that that was what I had to do if I wanted to get where I wanted to go in life, even though I wasn't even sure where I wanted to go. I just knew that I had to keep working, working, working. And now to learn to rest and to find the shame that I'm feeling come up when I rest, it's crazy. You know, it's a mind fuck of how what I'm experiencing is not just circumstantial to my conditions. It's societal. And I know that because if I work myself so hard that I can't even spend time with my family, which is a lot of what started happening, then I've kind of gone over to the other side and I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing anymore. You know, like, and that's how I know that it's not even about me and my circumstances anymore. It's me as an American having drank the Kool-Aid without even realizing I was doing it. And astrology is so helpful in this of like the cycles, you know, and thinking about embodying the moon in different phases and recognizing that we're going to have some times when the sun is transiting an area of our chart. And that means a whole fucking month is not going to be as productive. And that's OK. You know, it's OK. All of it's OK. But that also has informed my ability, I think, to show up and is helping me learn how to show up in ways that are more authentic to not just myself, but also my healing, you know, um, to know where I can offer support and where my support is going to be more meaningful. I'm going to see that when I take some time and I stop applying so much pressure that isn't even my own pressure. I know I'm getting, a, I'm like, a li I'm on some tangents here, but I feel like it's in my mind, I'm seeing outer planets, I'm seeing Uranus, I'm seeing Saturn, and I'm also seeing the Great Conjunction as hopefully a shift for a lot of people. Right. And I don't think it's a tangent at all. I think it's an really <laughs> important <laughs> note because like I'm literally, I was the same way where I was like, people are suffering. I'm working in the movement. And like, for me, work was freedom for me too. So it's like, I came from a home life that was not supportive. <laughs> and I was able to find so much autonomy. I would, I am really proud of the work I did. You know, like there's an aspect of, you know, like when you win a campaign, even if it's like for a $15 minimum wage, like knowing that it's, you know, I know that it's not enough. You know, like I know that most people can't live off of $15 an hour, but like getting something done, doing something about systemic oppression that like really just helped me keep moving forward. But I was moving so fast and 
felt guilty every little break I did. You know, like when I was working, I would eat lunch at the computer. I would, you know, like my whole life was work. And then when I first, when my Saturn return said bed rest now, I was like, what? You know, like there was, there was also shame. There was also realize like saying sorry to people, you know, I really let work (sighs) fuck with my friendships. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like another aspect of it is like, sometimes we work so much that we're alienated from the people that we care about the most. And that hurts when you don't show up. And I think coming back to astrology helped me realize and becoming a professional astrologer made me realize like, all right, I'm going to schedule consultations this day. I'm going to take my brother's birthday off because like, I want to spend time with him and building a healthier relationship to, you know, to those planets that get a lot of love, right? Saturn gets a lot of love with me, but being like, okay, you don't get all of me. (laughs) The moon gets me sometimes, Venus gets me sometimes, like Mars gets me. And so like, I love you. I'm going to put you away for a little bit. And then I'm going to embody each of these different parts of myself that I was completely ignoring before. I couldn't relate more. (laughs) I couldn't relate more. I, I have, you know, with, there's a couple of planets because I use Placidus and the Virgo Pisces axis is intercepted in the second and eighth house for me, but I'm a Pisces moon and I have Mercury in Virgo and I have Mars in Virgo. So even though I'm very Pisces moon, in a lot of ways, it's like really Saturn just kind of ran the fucking show because everything disposits back to it. And I had to I had to Saturn. I had to Saturn before my Saturn return. You know, I had to survive and I had to deal with the the very um, dysfunctional life that I didn't choose, but I was born into. But then on the other side of my Saturn return, I felt and it didn't happen like overnight. But I can say now on the other side of my Saturn return that I do feel like I'm making more choices as opposed to just being reactive to things. And I'm choosing, you know, maybe let's get to know this Mercury a little bit more. Maybe let's get to know Mars a little more. Maybe let's just not get to know anyone for a second and just chill and stop fucking looking at the stars for a minute and just be in conversation with your friend. You know, I think it's made me a better person. (laughs) I, I hope so. I mean, I feel at least more aware of making choices than I think I did before my Saturn return. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I also think like the quadrant house systems. So I was using Placidus before I switched over to whole signs. And I also um, like using Campanus and the quadrant houses, I feel like give us like a different story of our chart. I don't think any of the house systems are wrong. And you know, I really, when I was using the quadrant house systems, I feel like the interception, intercepted houses are so illuminating for parts of us that have been suppressed, especially when it comes to like when we were younger. Yes. And I also, the reason that I, I have a lot of reasons that I love Placidus and none of them are good, but one of them is because 
I love that some houses are so big, you know, like shit stays. I have uh, my eighth house starts at 25 degrees Leo and goes until 13 degrees Libra. Like shit stays in there forever, forever. And then there's the fifth and the 11th house that is like not even it's like barely 20 degrees. So shit flies through it, you know, and I love the fact that like there are some houses and that's also happens to be where the interceptions are, where planets transiting are just like taking their sweet ass time. And then other places that it's speeding through. And in those places it's speeding through, it's kind of like a whirlwind. And you have to if you want to enjoy it, you've got to be present um, or else you're it, it's going to pass you by. And I love thinking about like the movement of the planets as also the sort of theme of the month, <laughs> if you will. And I love that there are some that are like, no, this is actually your whole goddamn season is this. And that to me is also part of the invitation of the interception is like, if you have an intercepted house, you have, you know, you have a big house there. So sit with that longer, be there longer and see how you can comb your way through that with maybe more awareness than you're you would naturally give an interception you know right I think like what you're describing the way you use these like the interceptions and like being present and like the way you use the houses it's reminding me of the way I use astro locality and you know for me being present with the planets what other way to be present with the planets than going (laughs) to the planet yeah I was really lucky when I was organizing that I was able to organize in different parts of the country and kind of see, you know, when I was on a moon line, you know, how I felt. How did you feel? I love moon lines. Um, So sometimes when you're union organizing, you have to do things called house visits. And so you knock on someone's door and you talk to them about the union or you encourage them to sign the union card to, you know, sign up. And so I was doing a lot of house visits, and I think that's indicative of the moon. (laughs) I love that. That's so cool. And it's I love the metaphor that is so astrological, too. Right. And, you know, people, it was, I, I had a really great time because a lot of folks, you know, spoke. I feel like the moon was able to help me tune into the way people spoke about who they're fighting for. Like, are they fighting for themselves, right? Their their free time, you know, are they fighting for a better life? Are they fighting to spend more time with their families? Are they fighting to send money home, right? And so there's so many different ways in which our home and the moon create a way for us to like then launch ourselves into activism work which of course I'm going to bring it back there. <laughs> Please do. That's I mean that's I think that that's so beautiful. I think that it's so beautiful to explore astrology through the lens of activism. What an opportunity, you know, and what that makes me feel so inspired to be alive right now. And I have to say there's I mean after last year there's was a lot of reasons to feel very uninspired, you know, by the time and place that we're in. But I do feel like 
you know, I was I had I put a lot of pressure on Jupiter and Saturn forming the great conjunction more. I knew more than I should have, you know, like I knew I shouldn't be putting so much stake in that. But so far, I feel that's it's showing up. You know, I do feel like people are having better conversations. It seems like people take accountability more. People be more mindful about how to call shit out and how to be called in. And like, I feel like we could be actually, I don't know, moving into a different era of air. And it feels very, very inspiring. Yeah. I mean, like now these conjunctions are going to happen in air signs rather than the earth signs that we've had them in before. And for me, I really know the modality. So Aquarius is a fixed sign and that conjunction happened at zero degrees Aquarius. And I feel like the effects of the great conjunction are going to be long lasting. It's also going to take a while to implement. So we're seeing the seeds of whatever is going to be brewing for us. But I, I feel like I have to have hope even if, you know, like, of course, like I am upset about cities reopening too early Of course, I'm frustrated with, you know, other countries have like stimulus checks that actually help people maintain their lives. It's crazy. It's crazy. Talking to clients in other countries, I'm like, holy shit. This is this is like really deeply fucked up. And it really doesn't have to be this way. It's really like being chosen to be this way. Right. And so there's a lot of reasons to be pissed off. I think I try to do what I personally can. Interpersonally, I feel like working on my relationships and work being really present is where I'm at right now. And then systemically, like... You know, I love going to direct actions. I love being a part of groups and just being inspired, I think, by having people in my life. And hopefully soon when we get vaccinated, we can all be in community again and have that inspiring community, like, push us towards, you know, doing things for other people and showing up for other people and showing up for ourselves and our politics and, you know, just becoming more embodied because for me that that slowness that fixed energy it's about making something that lasts totally yes i completely agree and i think i i wouldn't ever use fixed so literally um until this year where it's like no we gotta fix this now like this (laughs) cardinal end of Capricorn shit on a societal level, like it turned into literally like uh, the Monopoly man. You know, like I feel like I've used that metaphorically and sort of figuratively of like Capricorn is the little Monopoly man. And then it's like, no, late stage capitalism actually is the fucking Monopoly man. And this is actually the most disgusting, fucked up place ever. Like this is 
insurmountable. Like I it's overwhelming. So the idea of coming in and not being so fucking earth driven and I don't mean earth driven like nature driven. I mean, money, physical, tangible and actually lift, take having some lift off through air, even if it's fixed, even if it's hovering, has gives us perspective, you know, gives us perspective, gives us the ability to be like, wait, this has really gotten out of control. And it's been way too long unchecked. And we need some for real antitrust coming in and breaking this shit up because this is a we have big problems, you know, and it's time. It's like the clock is ticking. It's where we got to start doing these things and we have to remember that there are other options. You know, it doesn't have to be like this. Yeah. I mean, it really does not have to be like this. And I think like when we look at it big picture, it can feel so overwhelming and disempowering. And so I really like it's baby steps, right? Like we all do the things we can do every day or not, you know, like little things every day. So it's like I'm like confronting capitalism by like, you know, not going to gentrify our coffee place. You know, I'm going to go to the local mom and pop place. Like there's little individual actions that people can take. And I do think that they make a difference. And I think that the things that make you feel good, right? Like don't, I feel like so many people are like, I need to do all the things all at once. I need to give away my whole paycheck. Do what like keeps you sustained, <laughs> right? Do things that are going to keep you stable and like help feed a daily practice rather than these one off things that might be great PR, but actually don't help you like contend with how structurally things are just like permeating for us. Right. Totally. <laughs> yes. The <laughs> the performative purging, the performative Venmo is like it's a lot. And, you know, it's also like great. Good. Do it. But like you didn't have to do so much at that one moment, but maybe take that and divide it so that it's a habit so that it's like a current like in a frequent engagement as opposed to a one-off fluke of demonstration something i want to add to that is like yeah like the one and off venmo donation like whatever give people money like i really think like if you have wealth give people money but if you're white or non-black think about a reparations practice so it's consistent and you are able to like grapple with like, you know, consistently like how, how it's not just like oppression happened once it's right. I continue to benefit from systemic oppression. So let me do something that like really works or that will be helpful. Yes. I um, want to encourage all listeners, if you want to know what I'm doing and I'll share it with you guys. Um, is that I just give to people who are not white regularly for no reason. And I don't say what it needs to be for as often as I want to. And but very often and regularly, because I think that that's an important I, I personally have 
created sort of my own theory about how fucked up it is to give money and say, use it for this, use it for that. Like, buy yourself something nice. Like, no, just give someone money without stipulation, period. They can use it however they need to, always. So for me, that has been a very important embodiment of knowing, of holding myself accountable is if I if I see someone on the internet, I don't even give a fuck if it's a scam or not. Like, I'm just going to send money because it feels I want to get in the habit of doing that. So it's for me, that has been like an important part of my uh, embodying engagement of and also creating a practice of it. So if anyone is looking for a way to participate and they don't know how, that could be an option. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. And I found it to be um, important. Right. And I think that there's also other ways to do it. So it's like giving to GoFundMes, things like that. I also think like beyond like the monetary stuff, like in the field of astrology, you know, we have astrological institutions that are kind of struggling diversity wise. And so like shout out other people's work. I love shouting out other astrologers. I feel like, you know, it, you don't have, you know, most people listening probably aren't astrologers, but I do think like we all have different kinds of fields that we work in and we can support each other by showing up for each other, you know, like skill sharing. We can support each other through, you know, confronting, you know, bias in our workplaces. And I think like those all require some level of bravery, you know, letting Mars like kind of like come in and be like, hey, this is how I'm going to show up here. Yes. And perfect timing for Aries season. Well, this has been so lovely. I want um, you to before we wrap, I want you to share this conference that you're going to be participating in. And also where we can find you and we can continue to engage in your work, maybe book a session with you. Yes. So I am going to be speaking at the uh, uh, Radiant Astrology, Astrology of Awakening Part 2 conference. And my talk is going to be reframing the sixth house as a site of solidarity. And so... Folks can check that out at radiantastrology.com and click summit and they can register there. I have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash praxis astrology that folks can kind of like get a feel for my astrological writing. I give updates with each solar season. And so my airy season update is coming up. Um, if folks want to follow me on social media, my Twitter is twitter.com at uh, Praxis Astrology and Instagram.com Praxis underscore astrology. And you can book me at praxisastrology.com. I do natal chart readings. I do locational astrology readings. I do planetary deep dives where we look at one planet in your chart and we talk about it for a whole hour. Love that. Love that. <laughs> Please, like, you know, I would love to hear from folks and, you know, really 
kind of demonstrate these activist skills and help folks really find some like radical acceptance and some zhuzh for their needle <laughs> chart. Pride for it, right? I have the Leo rising. Love to see it. What is the degree of your Leo rising, by the way? It is nine degrees. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been such a treat. Yeah, I love spending time with you. We're like we're gonna spend more time together, and as soon as you know it's no longer a pandemic, I we're gonna hang out in person. <laughs>